He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Have you heard the story about the frog and the scorpion? There once was a scorpion on the side of a riverbank who was looking pretty worried. A frog happened upon him and asked, what's wrong? The scorpion explained that he had to get to the other side of the river, but the current was too fast. He was sure he would drown. He asked the frog if he could take him on his back. The frog said, oh no, you're a scorpion. You will sting me. The scorpion replied, Now why would I do that? If I stung you, you'd die, and we'd both drown. It doesn't make sense. The frog thought about it. His big heart and common sense appealed to him, and he said, You're right. Hop on. I'll take you. So they made their way across the river, and at the midway point, the scorpion did indeed sting the frog. As we were both sinking, the frog said, Why did you do that? The scorpion replied, Because I'm a scorpion. That's what I do. That's my nature. Hi, I'm Laura Giles with Let It Go Now. I'm here to help you let go of the things that stand in the way of your happiness, success, and satisfying relationships so you can live your authentic, savage life. When you get rid of what's not you and not real, you flow. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the trickster and the narcissist and why the song All You Need Is Love is wrong. Now, most of us have been told and probably believe that love is the answer to everything. If we're not loving our life, it's because we need more love. Love conquers all. I'm here to burst that bubble and tell you that love is not enough. Loving the scorpion won't make him not sting because it's in his nature to sting. It's what he does. Now, this doesn't mean that you should hold your love in reserve. Love abundantly. What it does mean is that you can't use it as a tool to change someone's nature. Everyone is sovereign. It's up to them to decide if they want to change, when, how, and what they want to change. A scorpion's going to be a scorpion. If you're practicing good boundaries, this doesn't enter into it because we always let people do them and we do us. But it absolutely gives us peace of mind to know why some people don't respond to love the way that we hope they would. So let's look to nature for that answer, as nature is the ultimate teacher. If you grew up in an Abrahamic faith, so Christians, Muslim, or Jews, your frame of reference is good and evil. Even if you weren't raised in a religious home, if you grew up in the West, you probably had this as your frame of reference because we live in a Judeo-Christian culture. So it's steeped into this culture. If you hear people talking about battling evil, this is where that idea comes from. In nature, there is no good or evil. Lions kill antelopes because that's what they eat. There's no judgment in it. Mushrooms decompose dead things because that's what they do. 
Goats eat brush because that's what they do. Beavers make their homes from trees because that's what they do. There's no malice in it. It's just all a part of the cycle of life. Everything has its own purposeful nature. In the Judeo-Christian view, anything that isn't pro-life, pro-health, pro-social, or pro-my point of view might be viewed as evil. In nature, there is no evil. There is yin and yang or balance. So for every positive energy, there's a negative one. And I don't mean good and bad. I mean masculine and feminine. And together, they make things whole. Everything is always moving from birth to maturity to decline to death and rebirth. If we don't like death, we might call that evil, but it's not. It's just not desirable or comfortable. So in many ways, the cyclical nature of life is very predictable and orderly. However, there's this thing called trickster energy that Judeo-Christianity erased from the cultural landscape. And it's very important to understand because it'll help you to accept things as they are and be more effective in your choices. Trickster's purpose is to maintain the connection between heaven and earth, or the microcosm and the macrocosm. We are the microcosm. The macrocosm is a big picture, the spirit realm, the universe. Spirituality exists to answer the unanswerable questions. When we engage with the great mystery, we are whole because humanity isn't just about bones and flesh and returning to the dust. There's more to life than that. If you look around you, you will see lots of people turning their back on spirituality right now. So it's quite natural that you also see more tricksters because that's their job to keep us engaged with the spiritual realms. Trickster shows up in many cultures as the creature who is goofy, unpredictable, sometimes very thoughtful and giving and other times vicious. Like the scorpion in the story, you can't tell whether he's telling the truth or lying. He's tricky. In Japanese culture, he's the fox, who, of course, has a reputation of being sly. So this fits, right? In Celtic culture, she's the hare. This is where we get Bugs Bunny from. He's silly, sometimes really clever, and sometimes just plain goofy. And he's always trying to get one over on Elmer Fudd. In some Native American cultures, he's a coyote. For the Lakota, it's Iktomi the spider. Africa has a spider trickster, too, named Anansi. You may have read those stories when you were a child. In Greek mythology, it's Hermes. Hermes has the ability to move between the underworld, the world of men, and Olympus, which is the world of the gods. And this is what I mean about being able to keep open the communication between the spirit plane and the mundane world. Loki the Norse trickster stole fire from the gods and gave it to the mortals. In one Native American story, Coyote, who is also a trickster, did that. Prometheus is another one. So sometimes tricksters work with you and sometimes he doesn't. Tricksters neither this nor that. Sometimes they are hermaphrodites or can switch genders or shapeshift. Loki can shift genders. In the Disney cartoon, The Sword in a Stone, we see the wizards shapeshifting as they're battling. One turns into an animal to obtain the attributes needed to catch the other. Then the other one shifts. This is a reference to the Celtic myth of how Gwion became Taliesin, the greatest druid and bard in Celtic mythology. When you come upon a trickster, all bets are off. The typical ways of functioning in the world won't work. If you're trying to be wise and effective, trust me, trickster will outsmart you and use your tactics against you. If you try to use love as a force, they're like judo masters who know how to use your own energy against you. And the biggest trickster energy facing Westerners today is the narcissist. 
I want to tell you about narcissists so that you know them when you see them and you do the only thing you can do with tricksters and that's avoid them. You can't trust a trickster. You'll get hurt at some point, probably very badly. I wouldn't take it personally. It's not you. It's just their nature. It doesn't matter how good you've been to them. It's just what they do. So if you look up narcissism in the official book of psychiatric diagnoses, you will probably see a definition that fits almost nobody. So the technical term is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a set of behaviors that occur on a spectrum. They may come out when under stress only, or they may be a way of life. They could be mild or severe. Everyone has some level of narcissism, and when it's harmful to yourself or others, that's when it becomes problematic. And when it's severe, it may be enough to classify as a disorder. The official definition is an extreme focus on oneself. And this is easy to see in people who are egotistical, talk about themselves all the time, walk on other people to get what they want, talk down to people, and don't seem to care how their behavior is impacting others. These people are often at the top of their profession and are very successful. They have a knack for persuading people that their point of view is correct. So you can see them as CEOs, self-help coaches, influencers, politicians, high-ranking military officers, and high-profile professions like doctors and lawyers. If you saw the Wolf of Wall Street, that's a perfect example. They're power people. They can be really likable on the surface. Then you get behind closed doors and see a different person. I have had many clients who came from picture-perfect families who said they live in houses of horror behind closed doors because one or both parents are narcissistic. These are the easier ones to spot. The harder ones are what we call covert narcissists. These are the ones who don't seem to be egotistical at all. They may appear to be kind, giving, and focused on you, actually, but this is actually a manipulation to get you to pay attention to them. For narcissists, it's all about them. They need constant reassurance that they are the greatest thing on earth. And as long as you give them that reassurance, you're the best. They are really good at making you feel like you are the only person in the room. I saw a woman do this and was fascinated by it. I didn't know what narcissism was back then, uh, but she was a coworker and she had just started dating a mutual friend. So we went out on a double date. She looked at him so adoringly, like he was not only the only person in the room, but the only person in existence. And I found myself feeling insecure, like I couldn't possibly love that much and my heart wasn't as big as hers. I've never seen anything like it before or since. All the fairy tales about falling in love at first sight and living happily ever after are built upon this narcissistic fantasy. That's exactly how a narcissist makes you feel. You fall hard and fast because they're your perfect dream mate. All the songs about how love hurts are written about narcissistic love. The first phase is love bombing, where they puff you up. They give you tons of attention, wine and dine you, make you feel wonderful. They actually do believe all the things about you because the narcissist typically wants a high value partner to make them feel better about themselves. It's like, if I can get you, I must be pretty special. So they do love all those things about you and could write songs like Little River Band's Lady or Etta James's At Last or Coldplay's Yellow. You are everything and everything is you. Then we get to the devaluing phase. From the time I first heard the song by Lou Rawls, You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine, I hated it. I thought it was repulsive. 
All through is this guy singing about how he's so wonderful and nobody could ever top him. Yuck. This is a classic narcissist move. They might put you down and tell you how unlovable you are. This is after the love bombing. Then they tell you that they are the best thing that ever happened to you, so they don't leave. They rob you of your self-esteem until you're too weak to leave. This is a classic trickster stuff. Do I love you or do I hate you? They keep you hooked with the promise that it can be as good as it was in the beginning, but it never is because that wasn't real. Some other songs that reek of narcissism are Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back, Taylor Swift's You Belong With Me and Blank Space, I Love Kanye by Kanye West, Unapologetic Bitch by Madonna, Big Shot by Billy Joel, Smooth Operator by Sade, and Friday I'm In Love by The Cure. Love shouldn't be that stable. It shouldn't hurt. It's not that mood swingy and all-consuming. Or if it is, maybe it's infatuation or the love bombing stage. If being with someone disrupts your equilibrium, there's something wrong. It may feel intense and strange and wonderful, but there are probably a lot of boundary violations happening and what goes up must come down. So the cost of loving like this is probably going to be really high. So expect some intense lows to follow. Here are the signs that you're dealing with a human trickster who can't be trusted. First, it's all about them. Whether it's obvious and they're talking about themselves all the time or more subtle, it's always about their feelings, what they want, and that the rules don't apply to them. Maybe it's cool for them to admire other people, but you can't. If you do, you've committed a mortal sin. Maybe they can flirt because they're just friendly and it's just their personality. But if you do, you're a horrible person. Maybe they can spend money on themselves, but if you do it, you're selfish. Or it could be something like, you have to pay attention to me because I love you so much and I have done so much for you. Or maybe because I'm so small and weak that I can't do it for myself. It doesn't have to be anything huge. Subtle things carry weight too, so watch out for double standards. Another common example is someone who talks, 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 and never listens. It's all about what they want to say. Another sign is controlling, manipulative behavior. This is probably subtle and wrapped in a love sandwich. But to shine, you have to be able to be yourself. And if you have to change yourself to please someone else, it's probably not a good trade. Some examples of this are, don't wear that. I care about you too much to see you go out looking like that. And that's not a good look. You can wear whatever you like. Even if the other person has a better fashion sense than you, it's not cool to suggest that you dress to please someone else. It might sound like a little thing, but it's the little things that create big things. Another example is what's known as gaslighting. It comes from the 40s movie called Gaslight, where a guy in the movie moves the gas lamp flame up and down to make the woman doubt herself and feel like she's going crazy. She knows she's experienced one thing, He denies a reality, which makes her question her reality and start to distrust herself. So if you know that your friend said something and then she denies it, it could just be lying. If it's a pattern of behavior, it's probably gaslighting. And that's taking things to another level because over time, it makes you question yourself. If I love you and trust you, given the choice to believe you or myself, I might believe you. And that results in a loss of self. And we can't shine from that place. 
We need to be in our full power to shine. Another common trait of narcissists is the need for admiration. Now with covert narcissists, this might not look true at all. They don't go around bragging about themselves, but they could actually have a lot of nice things to say about other people. One of the ways that this shows up is by putting you down, either overtly or with backhanded compliments or helpful suggestions, because the only thing they need to feel admired is to feel better than you. So if you're wrong, bad, or messed up, they feel better about themselves. If you see someone who is surrounded by people with a lot of problems and they're the savior, this could be what's going on. Another telltale sign of a narcissist is that they don't apologize and don't take responsibility for their stuff. If they're in therapy, they typically talk about how badly other people treat them or how bad their life is. They aren't in therapy to actually do any work on themselves. They do tons of blaming and deflecting because underneath it all is shame. They don't want to look at that and they don't want you to see it either. So they're often perceived as secretive. They won't tell you what they're up to, what they aspire to, or what they want because they don't want to be accountable for anything. The last trait that I will share is the lack of empathy. There's no give and take, no reciprocity. They can't really do that because they don't see you as a person. You're an object whose value is to adore them or give them something. They don't see you as someone with needs, so there's no way for them to meet your needs or anticipate your needs. Now this can make a lot of people rule out narcissism for some people because they don't seem to be really emotionally connected or feel deeply. So I'll say this as a final deciding factor on whether you're dealing with a human trickster. If you have emotional mood swings around this person, feel off balance, and this relationship is like no other, you could be dealing with a narcissist. So let's look at why this matters when it comes to letting go of your baggage. Narcissists use seduction to make you feel comfortable to let down your guard. When you open up and tell them your most innermost thoughts, your dreams, your past, your vulnerabilities, they exploit them and use them against you. And the less baggage you have, the less ammo you have for them to use against you. Another thing is, the more we shine the light on what's in shadow and let go of the meaning that we used to assign to it, the easier it is to grow in compassion for yourself and other people. So whatever is there just becomes part of your history and not some skeleton that has to be hidden away. And if there's no emotional charge, it can't be used against you to hurt you. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be in a place of acceptance with the past. Third, when you get to that place of acceptance of your strengths, weaknesses, history, and experiences, you're in your full power. Yes, that's right. Our strength comes from our struggles as well as our victories. You know who you are. A narcissist wants to undermine your ability to know yourself. They want to keep you off balance so they avoid abandonment and always have the upper hand. It's hard to do this when you know where you stand. In the process of letting go of your baggage, you start to learn that you are the source of your own light. It comes from inside. While it's nice to have love and appreciation from others, it's never in short supply if you give it to yourself. Narcissists are threatened by this kind of thinking. They want to be the source of your esteem and control it. They are the type of people who believe that there's a limited supply of light and that if you shine, it takes away from me shining, which is just not true. So they're not really the best people to have around if you want to shine your inner light. Now, 
I'm absolutely against othering. And I'm not saying all this to ostracize narcissists or paint them as bad guys. I'm simply saying that everything has a purpose. And when we respect that, nature functions as intended. When we don't, things go awry. This is why we see people getting eaten by sharks and alligators when they jump into the shark tank or the alligator tank. They imagine that these are friendly creatures who just need a cuddle. (laughs) No, we don't have scorpions as pets. And we don't keep rattlesnakes in our basement because they're dangerous and can hurt us. It doesn't make them bad creatures. It just means we keep our distance. If you have been negatively impacted by a narcissist, remember that they have two divine purposes. One is to keep the interaction between humans and the spirit world going. And they do this by making things so, make so little sense that you have to appeal to the gods God, your ancestors, or spirit for understanding. The other thing they do is to trick you into changing. They exploit weaknesses and expose flaws that you don't want to address and make them so painful that you have no choice but to change them. I believe they're here now in such abundance to show us the folly of the me-focused, self-indulgent, isolated lifestyle that we had in, in the West. There's no point in doing all that work to be your authentic, radiant self if you don't share it. It's a waste. (laughs) So I hear a lot of religions and self-help programs that talk about just loving your way through life. That's a nice, fluffy idea. But this is why we focus on being effective rather than creating rules for how to live. Details matter. I don't want to lead you down a garden path where you become the prey for a narcissist because you want to show them that all they need is love. No. If you have a narcissist in your life, the best thing that you could do for them is let them go. So it's a bit of the taste of their own tricky medicine. Hear me out. There are many theories about what makes a person a narcissist. Is it nature or nurture? Regardless of how it started, it's not their fault any more than it's the scorpion's fault for being a scorpion. But it is their responsibility to change it. And as long as you're engaging with them on their terms, meaning you're providing them with love, acceptance, and adoration, they don't have to change. They can just keep manipulating their way through life and sucking the light out of other people. If you're focused on being the best you you can be, putting your needs first, your healthy boundaries will leave no space for the way a narcissist wants to dominate and control you. You won't be a good target. I call this a lock and a key. They want to hold the key to the lock. Don't be a lock. They will move on to an easier target. When there are no targets to be had, perhaps that'll trick them into looking at their behavior and using other tactics to get their needs met. Maybe those will be healthier tactics. We all need love and attention. There are healthy ways to get it and unhealthy ways. When we have healthy boundaries, we're actually practicing self-love and validating pro-social ways of behaving so we get more pro-social behavior. If we reward unhealthy boundaries, we get more boundary violations. You can't serve from an empty cup. And we are focusing on filling that cup. Love doesn't happen until we are solid. Things like happiness, love, peace, and goodness are byproducts of a well-lived, authentic life. So I know a lot of us are here because we want love, but we're not putting the cart before the horse. Love comes easily and in abundance when you're already in a good place. If you doubt it, think about all the times when you were in a romantic dry spell and then you get with somebody and what happens? The girls or guys come out of the woodwork, don't they? 
like moss to a flame, we're all attracted to the light. And contentment creates light. Be you, and it'll shine like a lighthouse on a foggy night. But be careful. Don't abandon your values or boundaries for love. Love won't ask that of you. Keep yourself first so that you can always serve from a full cup. Final word. If you see a trickster or narcissist, don't hate. Practice acceptance and gratitude. They have a place in this world just like you do. And recognize it for what it is. And know that if you flirt with it, you're going to get stung. It's just their nature. I can't tell you how many clients have told me, no, my person is too sweet to be a narcissist. (laughs) Then a year, two years, 10 years later, they realize it's true. The healing journey can't start until we're in a place of truth. So it's better to know now than later. If you want to dive deeper, head on over to laurajowls.org and join our Let It Go community, where we're going to play a little game of Spot the Narcissist so we can identify narcissists early and let them go. Thanks for being here. Appreciate your time. I'm Laura Giles with Let It Go Now, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.